Wherever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. Whomever you love, we welcome you. My name is Carolyn Schlemmer. It's my privilege to serve as a member of the worship arts team in this service, uh, which is led by our own settled minister, Reverend Stephen Plotzman, with music led by Hal Walker and our director, of, acting director of religious education, Colleen Taylor. As Unitarian Universalists, we light a flame within a chalice as a symbol of sanctuary and safety to unite us in our worship and to remind us of our ongoing search for the light of truth. These are the words of John Millspa. There is a core of light that underlies the darkness of our days. This bright flame reminds us of the potential of our lives and the dawning potential of humanity. We gather in community to remember this core of light and to count it sacred within each of us and at the center of the life we seek to build together. And in that spirit, I kindle our fire of memory and hope. Come in, the doors open. You are welcome here. Come in, the doors open. Leave out all doubt and fear. We'll plant a seed together. Together watch it grow. And learn once more what we already know. Lift up your voice. Rejoice in what we found. Let every heart take refuge in the sound. Feel the walls around us tremble. We will surely bring them down. And find ourselves on common ground. And find ourselves on common ground. This is how we celebrate our song and dance and art. This is how we touch the future and how we touch a heart. Tell your story to a child and they'll take it as their own. This is how we learn we're not alone. Lift up your voice, rejoice in what we found. Let every heart take refuge in the sound. Feel the walls around us tremble. We will surely bring them down and find ourselves on common ground. And find ourselves on common ground. In our time together, I begin.
You know, our theme this week is covenant. Covenant means that we have chosen to be here, and we've chosen to understand as best we can what that means and what we choose to make it mean. For our call to worship today, I'm reading from the gray hymnal. May we be reminded here of our highest aspirations and inspired to bring our gifts of love and service to the altar of humanity. May we know once again that we are not isolated beings, but connected in mystery and miracle to the universe, to this community, and to each other. Come, let us worship together. In our time of meditation and reflection, I'd like to ask you to join me in thinking about the idea of covenant. It's not a contract where if you fail to do that, wham, you're God. We're going to sue you. I mean, if you don't show kindness all the time, nobody's going to sue you. Not that there won't be consequences. But I mean, it's an agreement to try our very best to live up to our aspirations, our promises. And our UU aspirations are really high. So I have to confess, there are times that I have not dwelt in peace with my neighbors. There are times I haven't wanted to seek the truth, especially not in love, because I get irritated. There are times I've been snapping at my children. I've wanted to uh, hold myself apart. I haven't wanted to help others. You know what I'm talking about. But in the Christian tradition, Somebody asked Jesus if he had to forgive his neighbor seven times, or his brother, maybe I think it was, for offenses, because that's what the old law said. And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. Figured that would take care of most of us. And in the Rumi song that we sang um, today already, there's the counterpoint that Hal teaches us, though you've broken your vows a thousand times, So covenant to me means we'll keep trying. We'll try to do our best, knowing that we won't always measure up, but we'll try to dwell together in peace, seek the truth in love, and to help one another. I'd like to ask you now in the silence to, if you choose to, if you have something else on your mind, that's great too, but ponder for a minute or two the covenant relationships that you have been involved in and how they have enriched your life. I invite you to join me in the spirit of meditation, of reflection, of prayer. A spirit of love and of life. You in which we share and find strength and common purpose. We turn our minds and hearts toward one another as we hold in this circle of care and concern all who need our love and support, those we've named in this time of remembrance, those who are in our hearts and thoughts, all who are ill, who are in pain either in body or in spirit, those who struggle with addiction, those who are lonely, those who are grieving, we pray for them. We pray for ourselves too that we would be grateful for the many blessings we receive each and every day, that we use them with joy, generosity, and kindness. Help us to live fully this life we have been given, 
to treat each and every moment as a rare and precious treasure, to worship what is of true worth, to practice radical hospitality, welcoming the stranger, to speak the truth as we know it, and to join in the struggle for justice and peace in our world. Help us, we pray, to feel the heartbeat of life itself and to find wonder and awe in both the struggle and the beauty of life, to remember that we are truly connected in mystery and miracle to one another and all of creation, to care for this fragile planet and work for the well-being of every creature, to affirm life and to walk upon this earth in gentleness and reverence. May it be so, and amen. singing love call me home time ferry me down the river friends carry me safely over life tend me on my journey love call me
Life offers a chance For friends to carry us over Time can stop or dance forever Love, call me home Time, ferry me down the river Friends, carry me safely over Life, tend me on my journey Love, call me home I have three readings today. The first is not the Mayflower Compact, but you may have heard of the Mayflower Compact. The pilgrims were on their way. They knew they were going to land. And tough times were going to get tough. So they got together and had a compact, which was a covenant of how they would behave. Many of the ships that came, um, John Winthrop's ship in uh, 1630, did the same thing. Here, was an here is an address that uh, John Winthrop said to, uh, he was the first governor of Massachusetts. He, this was an address in 1630 to a group of immigrants coming to New England aboard his ship, the Arabella. And here's what he says. Now the only way to avoid shipwreck and to provide for our posterity is to follow the counsel of Micah and to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. We must be willing to abridge ourselves of our superfluities for the supply of others' necessities. We must uphold a familiar commerce together in all meekness, gentleness, patience, and liberality. We must delight in each other, make others' conditions our own, Rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, always having before our eyes our commission and community in the work as members of the same body. So shall we keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The second reading is thoughts from Unitarian minister Victoria Safford. She says... A covenant is not a contract. It's not made and signed and sealed once and for all, sent to the attorneys for safekeeping and guarded under glass in a museum. A covenant is not a static artifact, and it is not a sworn oath. Whereas, whereas, whereas. It's not going to say, therefore, I will do this or I'll die, so help me God. No, a love covenant is a living, breathing aspiration made new every day. It can't be enforced by consequences, but it may be reinforced by forgiveness and by grace when we stumble, when we forget, when we mess up. When we welcome our people each week, we say, this is a congregation not bound by creed, but by covenant. We are bound by covenant, each to each and each to all, by what theologian Rebecca Parker calls freely chosen and life-sustaining interdependence. The central question for us is not what do we, you use, believe, but what do we believe in? To what larger love? 
To what people, what principles, values, and dreams shall we be committed? To whom, to what are we accountable? It is a tradition so deeply steeped in a tradition so deeply steeped in individualism, it becomes a spiritual practice for each of us to ask, not once and for all, but again and again over a lifetime, how do I decide which beautiful, clumsy, imperfect institutions will carry and hold, in the words of one congregation's bond of union, my name, hand, and heart? The life of the spirit is solitary, but our answers to these questions cause us to speak, cause us to live in the plural. Someone said to me not long ago, covenant is a promise I keep to myself about the kind of person I want to be, the kind of life I want to lead, together with other people and with all other living things. When we welcome babies in our church, when we welcome new members into the community, when we celebrate the love of beaming couples, when we ordain new ministers, we speak not in the binding language of contract, but in the life-sustaining fluency of covenant from convenir, which means to travel together. We will walk together with you, child. We will walk together with you, friend. We will walk together with each other toward the lives we mean to lead, toward the world we mean to have a hand in shaping, a world of compassion, equity, freedom, joy, and gratitude. Covenant is a work of intimate justice. And the third reading is a short one. I had no idea Tennessee Williams was a poet. But he wrote this. Um, perhaps for a marriage, I'm not sure, but it's lovely. If you are happy, I will give you an apple. If you are anxious, I will twist your arm. If you permit me, I will be glad to hold you close to my heart forever and do you no harm. If I'm happy, will you give me an apple? If I'm anxious, you may twist my arm. And if you would like to, I would like you to hold me close to your heart forever and do me no harm. This is a bargain. Only two can make it. This is a covenant offered with desperate calm, it being uncertain that lovers can drive out demons with the gift of an apple or the twist of an arm. There was a traveler on a Sunday morning who couldn't find the local Unitarian Universalist church. He looked downtown, he drove through the suburbs, and he drove way out into the countryside without any luck at all. Well, he finally saw a farmer, so he stopped to ask, excuse me, am I too far out for the UU church? <laughs> the farmer replied, mister, nobody is too far out for that church. The genius of Unitarian Universalism is in its ability to make room for diverse ideas, diverse beliefs, and different ways of understanding life. There's always room to make our circle of love larger and invite others to be part of this liberal, free faith. Our promise of inclusivity is possible because we are not held together by what we believe, but by covenant. 
the mutual promises we make and remake to walk together toward the lives we seek to lead. Covenant is an ancient practice. The Hebrew Bible is full of stories of covenant as the people struggle to be faithful to their God. A number of the Bible's books are the stories of the prophets whose work was calling people to return to right relationship with God and with one another. In the practice of law, a covenant is a promise to engage in or refrain from a specified action, which can include how property is used. If you've got a wedding ring on your finger, you have a visible sign of a covenant, a symbol of the promises you made during your wedding ceremony, promises you are asked to live every day. Covenant has always been a part of our liberal religious tradition. In the first reading, you heard it, John Winthrop, soon to become the first governor of Massachusetts, speaking to a group of fellow Puritans in 1630 as they sailed aboard the Arabella toward the New World. They were coming from England, having rejected practices of the Anglican Church they found oppressive. They were seeking instead to create a free church where people chose to walk together in the spirit of mutual love. They believed that congregations based on a covenant of mutual consent would be stronger and more faithful than churches where people were forced to attend. As you heard Winthrop say, we must delight in each other, make others' conditions our own, rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, always having before our eyes our commission and community in the work, our community as members of the same body, so shall we keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Victoria Safford said these words are an extraordinary declaration of dependence, or what Rebecca Parker, a UU theologian, recently called freely chosen and life-sustaining interdependence. Victoria Safford goes on to say that despite their stone-cold reputation, their caricatured intolerance, Delight, of course, not being a word you'd expect to hear in the Puritan vocabulary. With all their harsh language of damnation and their dour puritanical clothes and funny hats. Yet there it is. These were people who promised to bear each other's burdens as their own, to subvert their separate private interests, their superfluities, for the public good of all. She concludes by saying humbly, gently, patiently, they would serve a vision larger than any single eye could see. They would hold a larger hope, and no one would compel them. The first known covenant in the American colonies was in Dedham, Massachusetts. In 1637, the settlers, 30 families, wanted to start a church. They didn't know each other, so they began a series of cottage meetings over a year with a central question. Who shall we be together? As they talked, they decided they would be a people who gathered and were held together by covenant, entered into freely in a spirit of mutual consent and love, and that every congregation would govern itself. These governance practices would give them the name Congregationalists. This basis for gathering and governing a church was described 10 years after the founding of the Dedham Church in a document known as the Cambridge Platform of 1648. Fast forward 150 years later, New England congregationalism is dividing over doctrine and theology, and the liberal part of the church will become the Unitarians. 
The Unitarians rejected Calvinist theology with its ever-present threat of eternal damnation and an expectation to confess common beliefs in order to be a part of the church, but the Unitarians kept the practices of congregational governance. They recognized the spirit of love at the heart of covenant, that it would hold them together as Unitarian theology evolved and became diverse. It is still this spirit of covenant that binds us together today in our congregations and as the Unitarian Universalist Association. Our association covenant, which you can find in the first few pages of the gray hymnal, is partly expressed through our seven principles. The principles are an expression of the common values we share, values that are a response to the love that embraces all of us and the truth that all of life is one, united in the interdependent web of existence. Last week, I talked about what we were going to take on our journey together. This week, it's a talking about how we travel together. That how is covenant, our promise to be in a relationship of mutual love and respect with one another that we enter into freely. Every word, every week, the words of covenant that we recite together remind us we've made a shared commitment to one another to dwell together in peace, to practice our fourth principle, which is a free and responsible search for truth and meaning guided by love, to help one another, knowing that through the way we live and treat one another and all living beings, we can make the world a better place. I find Tennessee Williams' poem charming in its simple, elegant expression of covenant. And if you permit me, I will be glad to hold you close to my heart forever and do you no harm. I will hold you close to my heart forever. Covenant is a lifelong journey, work that is never finished. Sue Phillips says, covenant is both a noun and a verb. It must be both a valuable thing unto itself and contain a process for its constant becoming. So living covenants do three things. They convey clear commitments. They are open to new interpretation. And most importantly, they must be intentionally renewed. Covenants must be renewed because we tend to forget about them at times, and in spite of our best intentions, we break them. Earlier in the service, as Carolyn mentioned, we sang the words of the medieval Sufi poet Rumi, who said, come, come, whoever you are. And as she told us, there are more words to Rumi's poem, come, though you've broken your vows a thousand times. How many of us have made a promise? And then you've worked to keep it, if possible, and sometimes you've broken it. And then you've worked to make amends and sought to rebuild the trust that was broken. We've all done that. We are, as 20th century Unitarian theologian James Luther Adams described us, promise-making, promise-keeping, promise-breaking, promise-renewing creatures. Covenant recognizes this reality of human nature. In the second reading, Victoria Safford said about covenant, it's aspirational, it's not a contract, it's not made and signed and sealed once and for all, sent to the attorneys for safekeeping or guarded under glass in a museum. A covenant is not static, it's not a sworn oath, whereas, whereas, whereas. She says a covenant is a living, breathing aspiration made new every day. It isn't always reinforced by consequences, but it can be reinforced by forgiveness and by grace when we stumble 
when we forget, when we mess up. In his book, Theology Ablaze, Tom Owen Toll, reflecting on covenants, says, our congregations are being visited by people who desire a faith that is disciplined and demanding. And as they discover Unitarian Universalism, they're asking, what is required of me to belong? What are the commitments I'm being asked to make? To be part of our circle of love, we ask that you say yes wholeheartedly to the invitation of covenant to come out of individualism and isolation, to put aside selfish concerns, to care for one another in times of loss and struggle and sorrow, and to be part of something greater, a community willing to do the spiritual work of loving one another. We expect accountability means that we answer to one another and to the larger love for what we do with who we are, the gifts we have been given by life, and how we make our shared hopes and dreams a reality. Owen Toll says the core of our covenantal promises is generosity, sharing our time and resources, talents, and respectfulness so that our liberal faith will thrive. Covenant also asks that we set aside our own need to be right or to defend a particular position, instead recognizing the value of compromise and listening to varying points of view, trusting our collective wisdom to guide us. Most importantly, covenant is a way of living our entire lives, not a quaint ritual we do on Sunday mornings. As you heard Victoria Safford say, someone said to me not long ago, covenant is a promise I keep to myself about the kind of person I want to be, the kind of life I mean to have together with other people and with all other living things. The work of covenant is deeply spiritual. It calls us to sort out and name our priorities to ask, what commands my deepest loyalties? What is worthy of my life? How am I called every day to be in a loving, just, and compassionate relationship with all of life? As Victoria Safford puts it, to what larger love, to what people, principles, values, and dreams shall we be committed? This is such important and holy work to do because we are living in a time of failed covenant. UU minister and theologian Rebecca Parker says, In our time, the broken covenant we live in is loss of love for neighbor and care for the earth. The increasing gap between rich and poor, the marginalization of the most disadvantaged, and the abuse of the environment are profound social failures. What is most evident to me in this time of failed covenant is the constant othering taking place in our world and here in our country. In that mindset, you're only one of us if you're not Muslim or an immigrant, if you're not GLBTQ, or you're not this, or you're not that. In response to this exclusion, our UU faith says that we will open our circle of love ever wider and welcome everyone, that we will be a people who delight in each other, practice compassion, rejoice together, mourn together, labor, and suffer together. So what is it we really need to work toward our vision of the beloved community? Rebecca Parker says we don't need more money, though it always helps when we are as liberal regarding money as we are in other matters. Actually, since we're building a new social hall, we could use more money. (laughs) She goes on, we don't need more people, though it would be good to have them, and many in our society need what congregational life can give. 
To be an influential force for good, what we need to do is establish more strongly in our congregational life the practices that embody loving, just, and sustainable community. We need to be what we want to see and make visible an alternative to the forms of oppression, alienation, and injustice alive in our time. Today, let us affirm our desire to be a community of radical hospitality, of love and inclusion, a place where we are truly one as we seek to build a world where there is justice and peace. May it be so, and as a part of the circle of love, may we pledge ourselves anew to make it so. As you heard in the sermon, Tom Owen Toll says, the core of our covenantal promises is generosity, sharing our time and resources, talents, and respectfulness so that our liberal faith will thrive. This congregation, the UU Church of Kent, thrives because each of you so generously give of your time, your talents, your gifts, and your financial resources. Thank you. So now in the spirit of gratitude for the gift of one another in this community, we give and receive the offering as a sign of our shared commitment to the life and work of this community and beyond. Will the ushers please come forward? Strong is what we make each other with the power of a hand in the hand of another. Gather in and now sing it all together. We're building a world of love. And we're given these mountains to climb. The road is long and the path treacherous. Together we're sounding a cry, searching for the light at the top of the hill. A circle is the way we lift each other, arm in arm, bound together. Living from the heart, our love is delivered, and we're held by the hands of God. And we're walking this long trodden road, lifted by the light and the truth. Universe singing these old songs of hope, every step we're learning the way. When I'm walking all alone, I can feel the weight on my shoulder. Well, I'm weary and I'm old, and that road just gets longer. When I'm reaching out a hand, I can. When I'm reaching out a hand, you're proving it over and over. You make me understand that with love, we get stronger. Strong is what we make each other Circling now, we're stronger together Family, foe, friend, or neighbor Our vision is a world of love And we're given these mountains to climb The road is along in the path Treacherous together, we're sounding a cry Searching for the light at the top of the hill And we're given these mountains to climb The road is along in the path Treacherous together, we're sounding a cry, searching for the light at the top of the hill. 
And now remembering that we are stronger together, would you join me in the words for extinguishing the chalice, which are in your order of service? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. May we carry these in our hearts and our minds till we are together again. And now renewed in our commitment to delight in each other, to make others' conditions our own, to rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, always having before our eyes our commission and community in the work as members of the same body, that we might keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let us go out in the world to inspire love, seek justice, and grow in community. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen.